Hi, I'm Sean Hall, Director of Programming with the Veterans Breakfast Club. We're a nonprofit in Western PA whose mission is to create communities of listening around veterans and their stories to connect, educate, heal, and inspire. Welcome to VBC's second episode of Lioness, The Origin Story. This is a special eight-part podcast where Lioness vets and those who know the history of the Lioness program discuss Taylor Sheridan's new show, Special Ops Lioness, through the lens of their experience. Joining me again are filmmaker and writer Daria Summers, an Army veteran Shannon Morgan, and a special guest who they will introduce in just a minute. In 2008, filmmaker and writer Daria Summers, along with her filmmaking colleague Meg McClagan, released Lioness, a documentary that reveals the history of a group of women support soldiers who went to Iraq in 2003 as mechanics, clerks, and engineers, but ended up serving as the original Lioness soldiers. Although the Lioness's mission was to defuse tensions with Iraqi women and children, they fought in some of the bloodiest battles of the Iraq War. Shannon Morgan was a member of that original group of Lioness soldiers, an army mechanic from Mena, Arkansas. She served in Ramadi from 2003 to 2004 during the 2004 Battle of Ramadi. She was one of the group of army Lioness soldiers attached to the two four Marines during house-to-house -house searches. Shannon recently launched Operation Lioness, a social support network for women, women veterans, moms, military wives, war veterans, and men seeking positive change. The organization's goal is to provide a safe space for people to connect and support one another on their journey to rehabilitation and recovery. You can visit their website at www.operationlioness.org. Uh, I'm, again, honored uh, to introduce uh, my two wonderful hosts for this podcast, Daria and Shannon. Daria, I'd love for you to introduce our special guest today. Well, thank you very much, Sean, and thank you to the Veterans Breakfast Club for supporting this podcast and our effort to set uh, history straight about the Lioness program and especially its origins. We do have a special guest, and um, I want to introduce Rainy Ruthig, who was one of the original Lioness soldiers who was there with Shannon and, in fact, a close friend of Shannon's. And um, Rainy, I'm just delighted that you could be here on our second podcast. And uh, you were one of the original lionesses when you, um, and, and you really, you remained in the military for 28 years um, and retired uh, fairly recently. After 28 years, uh, you left as a first sergeant um, and you were uh, rose to the job of chief instructor at the regional training site maintenance for the Kansas National Guard's AGR program. So congratulations, 28 years, that's fantastic. And um, again, welcome. Thank you so much. Um, the goal of this is to uh, look at Taylor Sheridan's show through the lens of the original lionesses and their experience. Um, I want to just, while you're here with us, I just want to take a, a special moment to talk about um, what what it means to be part of the original uh, history. Like you were the you you were there. You were there with Shannon, and I think there were about 20 women in um, the 1st Engineer Battalion. Um, and I wanted you to speak about a little bit about how the Lioness program, just you were there doing your job, and how you and Shannon first heard about it, and, and how it began. Could you do that for us? Yes, I'd, I'd like to, actually. Um, I always like to get the information out for... Um, the original story and also all the continuing story that women are doing in the military, not just the Army, but all branches of service. So it was <laughs> in 2003 when we first started going, um, 
It was, I mean, it was when we first got over there on ground, we hit ground in September, in October, in when Colonel Cabry and Lieutenant Colonel Brinkley were sitting down and they realized that the information was being passed to the Iraqi females and the children, the wives and the children, that they couldn't get that information because by their Muslim law, the un you know, other men couldn't touch the wives and the children. So that's when Colonel Cabry asked Colonel Brinkley if he could have one of his females. There were 19 of us, I believe, total. And Colonel Brinkley said he couldn't because he would not let one female go alone. He wanted to make sure two females went so they always had each other's back because he knew if we were in the same unit together, we would be watching each other's back. So actually the first two females that went out in, in the Lioness program was uh, Stone, Specialist Stone, and Specialist Morgan at the time. So those two went out. I took them actually over to 1-5 Compound. Um, I felt like a little nervous mother hand. I didn't know what I was getting those two into because I took them over because at the time I was uh, in the mayor cell, which kind of oversaw uh, our Cap, Cap Junction City and um, that was one of the higher ranking NCOs, female NCOs. So I took them over there, made sure we did PCCs and PCIs on them, made sure everything was ready. They did all the missions or the the battle briefs before, and they got what they needed, and they loaded up, and off they went out onto the first, basically, search with 1-5 field artillery. And so that was really the very first mission, the very first lioness mission that you've described. That was the first lioness mission. And so was that in the fall uh, of 2003? That was, I don't remember and if it was in September, but I believe our first mission out was at the end of September that we weren't even on ground in Iraq more than two weeks when we started going out on missions. Wow. So that also makes uh, this year the 20th anniversary of the very first Lioness mission. No, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And um, and on the on the first missions um, and and the ones that ensued in this time period sort of in the in the fall through december of 2003 and shannon you chime in here too in some of these these were relatively I mean, you were interacting with the women and children taking off your helmets and letting them were they did they have a kind of a reaction to the fact that these were women soldiers showing up Shannon, you say what you thought on the first mission. Um, Rainy, help me out here. Uh, the first mission was with 1-5, but didn't we go out in the back of, didn't me and Stone go in a five-ton with them? Um, and it was a night op, if I remember correctly. You, yes, that is 100% true. Yeah. You guys was, left out at um, 10 p.m. Right. We were after some um, intel from some targets if I'm not mistaken but uh <clears throat> yeah uh that first mission I don't think I would categorize it as being uh P 
peacekeeping mission. Um, although we did go out and do tons of uh, knock and talks and meet and greets um, where we passed out information and stuff and checked in with people to see if anyone needed medical care. Um, uh, it was, it was, it was hard because, I mean, you're breaking into people's homes in the middle of the night and you're trying to separate women and children and keep, keep everyone calm in the middle of, of all this chaos. And that's, that's a hard mission to accomplish, but they knew that they couldn't do it without us. Um, I think it was important, even though we're not supposed to remove our Kevlar or anything I think it was important for us to let them know that we were also females just a way for a female to give another female a nod and be like it's okay um you're in good hands and did you have that experience a little bit rainy I think if I remember right after that stone broker leg mm-hmm. so that's when I partnered up with Shannon is Stone didn't go on many, and then she actually was left the country because her break was serious enough that um, it was medical. And I don't remember how she broke her leg. Um, she fell out but of after five that, ton. yeah, she did fall out of a five ton. Mm-hmm. And um, so after that, that's when I got partnered up with Shannon. And the first one I remember going on, and it was probably like probably the second or third mission. Um. I just remember thinking I felt so bad for him because I couldn't imagine, and I think I remember saying this in the movie too, is I couldn't imagine going into somebody's house, somebody breaking in my house, you know, just feeling like the Gestapo initially. Initially, they were so scared, um, you know, because the first few missions, you don't know what to expect. You don't know you're in enemy territory. They, you know, the battles had just been won, you know, all that's just all fresh. So to go in there, it's really hard to see these women. They're all in one room. They sleep with the children. Um, the men were off in their own other room. So, I mean, we either had our hair in ponytails so that we could, you know, quickly just grab the ponytail or the, you know, you'd take your helmet off real quick. And it did ease your tension. But, I mean, the initial, the first couple of times, it was hard. It was really hard to go into someone else's home. and. And, you know, basically do that to another human being. As as the war went on and you saw more, you know, damage, the fall of Fallujah, the damage that was happening, and you saw more and more intel and more caches that we found, uh, it got a little easier to do. And I think that's an important point you make, Randy, because, in fact, you hadn't, like, when you were training and getting prepared back uh, you know, at Fort Riley, you had no idea you were going to be doing this because this was a boots on the ground decision that was necessary, but it wasn't like, you know, you had um, any specific training for this specific kind of activity. And um, what, and I, I, what I love about the fact that you and Shannon just talking about like these very first missions that happened in 2003, that so 20 years later, which is today, it, um, you know, it, it, this was, you were right there when this program originated. 
and I want, and I'm glad we started with that because it brings us to the point of today. And I think it's ironic, and I just the way things worked out, nobody planned it. When you have a television show coming out of Hollywood, the entertainment industry, and you know, and I'm all for riveting television um, and you know, female characters and 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 making sure women can get in action programs. You know, I'm all for that. Uh, and yet there's something, uh, I was wondering if you, both you and Shannon could speak to the fact that there, this program, and it doesn't matter, we don't, it doesn't matter whether you've seen it or not, but just the idea that there's a program called Lioness. And it's kind of, about something completely different and it doesn't really pay respect or acknowledge or even deal with the reality that is still living within your experience, Shannon's experience, countless of other women who participated of what this history really was. Well, it's it's kind of it's kind of a double-edged sword in my eyes is I like the idea that it is still getting out that female engagement teams, which they're now called, and that's what the Marines called them, are still on the ground and they're still doing this very important job. You know, women are still doing this. The Army and the Marines are both on the ground with the female engagement teams. Um, so I think that's important to highlight that this is still happening. You know, especially with the, you know, all the branches opening up to female service and, you know, more and more realizing that women are just as capable of doing these jobs as men. And at some point, they're needed to do some of these jobs. I think that's kind of a neat point. Um, so I do want to highlight that this is somewhat good. I don't always want to be the negative Nancy. But the other thing is, why did they have to go that the Marines created the program or why couldn't they say a blurb in there and call, or call them a female engagement team or, you know, there's other words I could have used instead of lioness or use army instead of Marines. Um, especially when, I mean, I still remember and have the news article from the Marine times from, we were that they commented that the Marines wouldn't use their females for fear of use, losing the first, female in combat. Right. I remember that. That and at the time their females absolutely didn't want any part in it. That was my understanding. Right. And I, I think it wasn't until 2008 that the Marines first started to train women because I was, I, I interviewed a number of them and we have a short film on it about those are the first marine lionesses. So that was much later. Right. And I believe that's when they started calling them female engagement teams, FETs. You know, and they they dropped the term lioness because I don't. Right. In my term, you know, and seeing so many Army soldiers coming through our, our RTSM, um, and even we did train Marines there as well. No one ever heard of the term lioness, but they talked about female engagement teams. So the term lioness had been dropped a long time ago. So to bring it back into service and to attach it to the Marines kind of baffles me. Right. And um, 
Yeah, because I know that um, uh, Colonel Kennedy, who was like when you guys were attached to the two four Marines in the spring of 2004, uh, Colonel Kennedy went to Hellman Province in 2010. And that's when I, and outside, but just through my contacts, first heard about how important the female engagement teams and how, you know, that had been kind of like the evolution um, that you that you started, um, how important they were, but that they were still periodically when any anyone from Washington would come to town or come to help visit at Hellman Province, they would still pull them out from the field because everyone was still nervous about the common exclusion policy. <laughs> Well, it is funny. a very well, it is a very fine line back in that time to dance. I mean, you look at how many years it took to get the women from the whack and the wave and to get them actually into army service totally and give us the mechanic jobs and to let them be supply clerks. You think about how long it took for that to get us into the actual you know, war and battle it's actually went pretty quick in you know the slow cogs of a very male dominated you know area absolutely but i i just want to run it back to you guys because because of you and 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 shannon and and you know all the women in that initial group and then uh the five of you who were I will say, um, courageous enough, <laughs> I think, to uh, appear in uh, uh, our documentary. Um, but then, you know, in 2009, you were up, you spoke up on Capitol Hill before the House Veterans Committee, the Armed Services Committee, and that kicked in motion, um, uh, you know, committee reviews in 2011, 2012, the Pentagon policy reviews that started to lift restrictions. And then in 2013, the Joint Chiefs unanimously ended the combat exclusion policy. So, I mean, I think, and certainly there were all other kinds of information and women who were doing other things. But um, I do know that your testimony and your testimony in person and as it came through the film um, was part of that push and was a document that people back in Washington could, and so you guys really helped make that change. And I think that's an important part of the history, along with other women who were doing many courageous things, you know, because it was what the mission called for. So I just want to point that out. Um, it didn't happen without people like you and Shannon and the women on our film and the other lionesses Speaking up. Well, that and the leadership believing in the soldier's ability to do their job and to go beyond just their job as a mechanic to actually be a soldier. Colonel Brinkley, I mean, believed in all of the soldiers. And I mean, that really, I think, comes to light. And then, of course, Colonel Cambry's like, if you believe in them, I do too. I'll take them. And he never once, he's like, I'll take all of you soldiers. Come on in. And it was never you female soldiers. It was just soldiers. And I think that's a big thing to play, too, that, you know, 
it wasn't a female soldier, although, I mean, that's why we were needed. But Colonel, Colonel Brinkley always said he would put a person on the job. He didn't care who it was or what their gender, nationality, or whatever. If they fit the job, they were doing the job. Well, I think you've mentioned think- that before, also the, 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 the top, um, the, the top level command really helped set the tone. It did in all my sense? years of being in, it does make sense. In all my years of service, if you have a great top leadership, it makes a unit and the morale in a unit high. If you have a bad top leadership, it makes a toxic, toxic unit, toxic soldiers, everything's bad. And, but that's any job or corporation. And that's one thing people have to realize, too, is the military, all branches, I believe, I mean, it's a big organization. It's a big corporation. I mean, our job is just war. Right. I think it's important to note that, yes, uh, I'm going to also speak on that, too, Rainey. Um, uh, We can go out there and we can do whatever. But if your leadership does not believe in you and does not back you, it will never go anywhere. And that's literally with anything in life. And we had some great leadership that absolutely seen us as soldiers. There wasn't any gender. They were like, we need a soldier to fit the bill for this job. Boom. It wasn't he or she. It was, we needed a soldier. And they never treated us any kind of different kind of way. And they always had our backs. And that's important to to be said. Uh, Colonel Cabry and Colonel Brinkley looked out for us like we were definitely their own. There was no gender discrimination. I hear you, and I think, um, and everyone has always mentioned that, and I, of course, have met both of those, um, both men, and um, I got that impression from them that it was like, hey, if I was going to serve, I would serve under you. (laughs) No problem. Not that you'd accept me, but (laughs) if I had to, I would. Um, But I... And I know that, um, you know, Colonel Brinkley was like very supportive. I mean, he ha- also had uh, wonderful daughters, one of whom I think entered the service. Um, I want to mm-hmm. ask you, uh, because I know that having been in touch, you know, with everyone, um, and, and I want to bring it back to this because I think it's very important. Um, this, the emergence of, of this, uh, the Special Ops Lioness program as a television show, eight part. Um, you know, I think it has, as I've heard, and as I think Shannon has heard and, and we've discussed, has provoked a lot of um, emotion. Uh, just as Rainey said, of course, we want to lift stories and, and, and lift women's uh, stories, but it's also because they use the title lioness and and it the history is you know really 20 years is a, just a little blip <laughs> in terms of the history it's not that <laughs> we're that far out um you know um and why do you think it's provoked such a range of reaction among Rain, women who like serve <laughs> I will tell you the two reactions my family has come in. My aunt called me up and she was like, oh, my God, Randy, did you know Taylor, Taylor Sheridan has a new movie? And, of course, we're Yellowstone fans, you know, got to love Beth. Um, 
We watched 1883, 1923. We've watched, you know, we've watched those. And he is a great storyteller. Um, and my aunt was like, did you know this was coming out? Is this your story? I said, it's Marines. And she was like, what the hell? And I said, she's like, are you going to watch it? And I said, I, I don't know. I said, one, those kind of movies do trigger me. Um, so I'm not real comfortable with that. And I said, I don't know. My husband, he's like, nope, I'm not watching that. They stole your story. Why would I watch that? And not why would they not give you credit? And then um, my mother-in-law, she watched it and she said it was wonderful. It told so well. She was, you know, she was happy the story got out, that the lionesses were doing that. So it was, you know, it's a kind of a wide range that people in my family are even telling me. You know, so it's it's really just kind of it's just kind of an odd place to be. To, you know, right. I just, I don't know how to feel about it, quite honestly. You know, the one thing I hate about it is the fact is they could have called it a different name than Lioness. And I think the story would have been yeah. just as great. Absolutely. I agree with you on that. Um, and I know that originally it, they just wanted to call it Lioness. And then they were told they had to call it Special Ops Lioness. Now, the reason behind that, I don't know. Maybe it was because of, you know, the documentary, or maybe it was because of, of they had some sense that it might get mixed up. But when you watch the television program, when the title comes up, it just says Lioness. And I know that just, and this is from a slightly different perspective, but when they were, uh, teasing the show and showing the promos for it, they showed it up in the middle of Times Square at the large TV, you know, like on the side of this big building. And it was all about Lioness. I had so many people call me and say, oh my God, Daria, I didn't know they turned your documentary that you and Meg made into a television series. And I said, they didn't. <laughs> um, and it, it, somehow it was, um, Disconcerting. How did you feel, Shannon? Well, I just I, I feel like okay, if you're gonna use if you're going to and I'm saying this out loud, steal the term lioness, could you not have fit some backstory in there about how it was originated and coined by the army? Could you not have told some backstory to at least give some accurate history behind it instead of all this Hollywood nonsense they've spun it into. Um, I just don't understand that. I mean, at, as an army veteran, I mean, we all have to respect all of the branches equally. I mean, it's one team, one fight, but we're all a separate entity at the same, at, in the same uh, turn there. So um, could it not have been possible for you, you know, I don't even know the first couple episodes, give a whole backstory about how it was originated and it started in the army and then transition into FETs, the female engagement teams, because that is literally how we separate from the different branches. Lioness is army. FET is Marines, period. 
And I think that would have been like some cool history they could have thrown in there. And maybe all of us wouldn't feel like yet again, boom, our story's been stolen or hidden or covered up. I mean, that was half of my driving force. I don't know about you, Rainey, but half of my driving force to continue on after the documentary and go on Capitol Hill. Because there was a lot of people trying to say, you know, when we first started doing it, that it, it didn't exist and it wasn't happening. That's why the whole Army Times article came out. And once that came out, there was no stopping it. They had to give acknowledgement to it. And they had to say, now, wait a minute. Yes, females are on the front line. But it would have been really cool if they could have thrown in a little bit of history there, I think. And another point, too, Shannon, I mean, I, you brought up some valid points. Couldn't they do it like the if everybody's old enough to remember the old A-team, you know, broken out from jail, blah, blah, blah. But couldn't they say Linus originally created in 2003 by the Army, you know, 1st Battalion, Big Red One. I mean, it could have been that thing that has continued on as this. And just their little blurb on the very first show. At least that. You bet. You bet. And the other thing um, is if if this would have been Marines that created this and the Army stole it, you can bet the Marine Corps would have been up in arms. I agree oh, man. with you there. They, they, they totally would have been. I think what what's disturbing to me is um, like now just Googling uh, the show, uh, these articles come up that are written in you know, sort of mainstream uh, magazines and stories and publications. Um, and I've just looked at the titles and I just can't even bring myself to read it, but it's like, um, yeah, like the special ops lioness, you, you know, the first couple of sentences are, yes, well, that's the CIA, you know, the CIA went, saw the FET program and they went in and and you know borrowed the single females and and reverted back to calling it lioness but you know it originated with the marines and i'm like oh my goodness but what i also don't understand is i find what you guys did and the encounters that you had so fascinating why why couldn't they have done some stories that included what you did because Absolutely. And if that would have been a beautiful way to introduce it, if you would have gave a, a you know, to, to transition that into a CIA program, if you would have gave a backstory on how it was basically like in the second episode of Special Ops Lioness, how uh, Cruz is in the car and she's like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, you'll figure it out. I mean, just go. Um, that would have been a beautiful backstory to give on the inadequacy and lack of training in my eyes, you know, what, and then you could have turned that into a whole CIA program. How awesome is that? Whatever. I mean, for Hollywood thrill and all that effect. When you do veteran stories, you need to make sure that, uh, and, and veteran stories that are so recent, you really you know, everyone has a duty, including Hollywood, including the entertainment industry, to give it a certain degree of respect and consideration before just going off and doing anything. That's my opinion. Absolutely. We have uh, 22 a day veteran suicides. And honestly, I really think that number probably needs to be re-looked at. I'm sure it's more than that. 
And if you church up something we did, um, just kind of like how we were overlooked in the beginning when we were out there doing that and they were busy denying saying we weren't doing that. I mean, you have to be aware of veterans' mental health. Um, like none of this is good for any of us because I don't know about you, Rainey, but I feel like our story was stolen again. And here we are, yeah. and I'm I'm right back in the same mind frame I was in 08 and 09 when we were ready to storm the Capitol Hills. I mean, nothing ever changes without persistency and fight. And by gosh, we went and did all these things, and we did fight so this crap could take place. But just don't, just stay true to the story. Don't don't veer off too much because this is not only about just telling some Hollywood production story. This is about our mental health. Um, 22 and the life you affect. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think you make a fantastic point, um, Shannon. And I just, I really appreciate um, both of you taking the time to talk about this. Uh, I do think it is important. I do think it's important that, so for any of the other women and family members of women who served in these kinds of capacities, whether it's Army Lioness, Marine Lioness, FETs, um, and, and all those very, uh, you know, who were on, you know, sort of breaking, uh, breaking the glass ceiling, so to speak, in terms of what they were being asked to do without the proper training, but rose to the occasion. Um, you know, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk about it. I think it's important for everybody to have the chance to hear this. Um, and Rainey, I also wanna just give you a special shout out because I was thinking, um, you know, when you went to Iraq, you left your daughter who was, um, how old was she at the time? Four years old, she'll be, she's 24 this year. She's 24. Yeah, so that makes sense. 20 years. Okay. Um, um, and I know you've spoken eloquently, um, especially when you were up on Capitol Hill, about what that meant and and what it was like to return home because you were gone for like almost a full year, right? Uh, 384 days. And okay. that's how okay. much that affects people when people can still remember 20 years later how long you were gone. <laughs> And um, and so can you just speak to that a little bit about, you know, that, you know, the, you know, that's, that's his own kind of, of trauma. You can't, you know, you can't live with it, but you have to, um, but you, I mean, you can't live it every day when you're over there because you're in service, but it, when you come home, um, how long did it take you to kind of, find a normal, a normalcy with her, Oof. your daughter, um, or how, or not specifically, or just in general, what are your thoughts? And what kind of reintegration training did you get for that? That's my question, Rainey. Really, there was no reintegration on uh, females going back into, you know, households. You just, you know, you just were. Um, I do think, I think one of the things that helped reintegrate back in where I think I, I dealt a little bit back better than Shannon did is when Shannon got out, she went home. Um, mm -hmm. When I got out, I still had the people I was with over there. 
you know, so I still had a sounding board if things went bad, you know, my husband was in, so I could talk to him. Um, you know, I had places to talk about what I went through and if I had a bad day with people who knew what, what was going on. So, I mean, in that way, I did have some resources, but as army resources that anything to help me, yeah, that wasn't there back then. It, it has gotten better. Um, it took a while to, uh, get back to normal. I mean, I still remember the first time uh, the cannon went off at five o'clock. You could tell everybody that uh, had been over there because we all hearing born. Our cars were over into the ditches and as everybody's like, what the hell? And got out and, oh yeah, yeah, kind of time to salute the flag. I forgot about this, you know, Reveille, oh, get out. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it, was, it was a long, I mean, I look back now and I don't think it's that long, but I mean, I, heck, I still have issues, you know, to be honest. And I think all of you, all of anybody that's been over into those situations still have issues that affect you on a day-to-day -day basis that, uh, I mean, Madison does say she likes, you know, retired mom over army mom a lot better. She says that's way better than it was with the non-stressors anymore. So, um, but the integration, I bet getting used to, being a mom again and being a career soldier and, you know, just a day-to-day -day thing was, I bet a good six months to a year. Well, probably six months, but I mean, we got back and they flat out told us you have nine months and, and you're going back. And that's when I made the choice to get out of active duty and go to the national guard because while I want to keep serving, you know, I wasn't staying active duty and keeping going away. I mean, I, we have army buddies that, they have five, six deployments, you know? Wow. So I wasn't willing That's to do lot. that to my daughter. Yeah. Um, and how much does Madison know about the Linus program now? And I bet. Um, well, of course I have the movie. You can't not have the movie if yeah. you star in the documentary. You can't not star in a documentary and not have it. Um, so and she always laughs that to... she's the little chunk, <laughs> chunker in the last scene. <laughs> He's so cute. Um, so, so she's okay. actually really proud. Um, so like, that's one of the things that uh, her boyfriend, she showed him and she talks about it a lot. So, you know, she actually knows a lot about the origin story and talking about it. And um, it's, he, it was pretty funny. She sat down with her, hey, with her boyfriend. She's like, hey, Cody, you got to watch this and put it in. And he start watching and he's like, of course, out comes, oh, is she going to shoot that little baby deer? Like all of us said about you, Shannon. And um, and he's like, wow, she looks familiar when it came apart in my scene. And Madison goes, you really don't know who that is? And he's he's like, no. He's like, She's like, that's my mom. And he's like, wow, she's young. I'm like, thanks, Cody. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but then he thought it was well, pretty badass, too. He's like, that's an awesome story. He's like, well, it's not, but it's awesome. Yeah, but, yeah. But I mean, just like you said, was, you know, like, like I got out and I went home, but it wasn't long after that, that I attempted my stunt that I pulled and ended up getting help whether I wanted it or not, really. Um, you know, but like, like the uh, screening of, of Lioness when we were on Veterans Breakfast Club on, on Zoom, uh, Moreno was on that and 
she she hasn't really spoke about a lot of stuff and it's been 20 years and I've seen my battle buddy breaking down you know uh how did you address all of your stuff do you do you go to counseling do you get help because you know me between me and Navo we're both checking on her immediately making sure she's okay and that she's receiving the help she needs because we're already looked at as inferior for being females to begin with well you know you really got to keep rising to that persona and you don't want to come off as weak but if we don't speak we die so did you get the help you needed i'm just curious um I actually never did receive counseling. Um, I never have. A lot of it, though, is, you know, it helps to live with a veteran, you know, an Army buddy that you talk to when you have the bad things that know what to say. Um, You know, family members that are military, you know, staying in 28 years. And, you know, I talked to chaplains over the years. I do think telling the story helps. Like I said, I, I know I have my issues. Uh, I can't, uh, it's not that I can't watch war movies. It's 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 one of the things that bother me because I either pick them all apart with, no, they wouldn't wear that uniform, wears their patch wise or hat like this. I either do that or else I just, it drives me insane because especially any kind of battle scene, I'm like, why would you leave them there? Why would you, you know, that's not what I would do. Yeah. And then I critique it. And I'm like, that's a bad soldier. So I am no fun to watch any kind of war movie with. And, um, and it just, it bothers me. And then, and then I do have issues. And, and like I said, most of it is my husband that uh, talks to me. And I do think a lot of it was, especially, you know, um, in a leadership position, it's, and being a female, it's hard to say, Hey, I, I need to get some help. No, I don't think there's any shame in it. And I actually help my soldiers get help when they needed help. And I, I actively, hey, there's many planches. Here's, you know, here's a way to get it, male or female. I actively, you need to get this help. This is a tool in your toolbox, you know. So I never had a problem as a soldier and a leader telling other soldiers to do that. Um, but I will have to do. I think it's something ingrained in me that if I would do that, I would be seen as weak. And so, luckily, like I said, I, you know, I kind of have a built-on sounding board, and that's who gets a lot of my and you know frustrations and poor guy he's just stuck with me I guess well and for sure and you know I'm very outspoken I guess that'll never change um I got thrown out of I don't know how many PTSD groups um for some reason the VA when this all first transpired I'm glad to see that they have their own OIF OEF and Afghanistan groups now I'm happy to see that because that really really sucked the Vietnam veterans were like, get your ass out of here. <laughs> well, well, and my other issue, too, is you get some of those that are, you know, especially they're trying to get a retirement or they're what, and you're in a PTSD group, and it's like, and I hate to be a judger, Judgey McJudger here, but it's like, you were in Kuwait. Why do you have PTSD? You know, but everybody has trauma from certain things, and I shouldn't judge like that. But, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I know people that really need help and that were in far worse situations. You're sad because you were in Kuwait and you didn't get the USO band tour you wanted, you know. And so and that's that's why I went to one and I did that and I went, I can't be here because I'm going to be a judgy McJudgy. And 
everybody's trauma is different trauma. So I'm not here to judge that. So that's another reason I walked away. Well, I had a lot of choice words, and then I didn't walk away. They threw me out, so. <laughs> well, I also yeah. think that you both you both experienced sort of um, the level of uh, the lack of acknowledgement and unpreparedness in terms of the kind of support that was being offered um, early on when people didn't really understand, um, and I can speak for the about the VA because I I I did work with them on this. Um, you know, when, when they were sort of un, unprepared and and actually had no idea. That was the whole disconnect. They had no idea what so many were being asked to do. And even for men were operating outside of their MOS on many occasions. So um, you know, I think it was you guys were the first, and it was just hard. Well, especially in Go an ahead. area that's a low-density population of, you know, people that are out, you know, Kansas, Arkansas, it's not a po large population. You know, that's one thing I've noticed down here in Florida, where I'm at now, you know, the VA services down here for women are a lot larger than they are in Kansas, but there's a large population of retired uh, vets down here. So, I mean, I do think that also helps with the level of care, and it can hinder it as well. Geographically, your care is different depending on where you live. I mean, I have talked with people that find it, you know, like uh, like over in McAllen. Uh, I've talked to people over that way and stuff that, you know, the, the larger VA facilities, it seems to be easier to get care. I mean, the VA has made uh monumentous monumentous efforts to to reconstruct that and try to help us out i mean they started that uh care in the community program now because there's so many of us the influx is it's just too much i mean there's still stuff that they need to work on in the va system in my opinion but your health care as a veteran should not come down to where you live that's ridiculous absolutely ridiculous and the other thing, too, is if you're not getting your care, it shouldn't be so hard to just, you know, patient advocate and have to wait. The level of care I get, which is weird, I get great care here. My husband gets horrible care. I mean, I, they're always count, calling me. Heck, I had a call in while we're on this meeting from the Tampa VA scheduling some kind of appointment. My husband has to fight tooth and nail to get care. Isn't that a weird switch? Yeah. See, that's unacceptable. I mean, there's still there's still great strides that they can continue to make, and you know, we're just gonna keep calling them out on it, huh, Battle? Yep, that's what I keep telling my husband, Squeaky Will. That's right. Okay, and now um, we're gonna talk about Lioness episode two, which I wanted to know was also uh, the first episode was written by Taylor Sheridan, so this is the second episode also written by him. I'm not sure if all the shows were written by him. I think they might have been, but it was also directed by John Hillcoat. So again, I just, uh, I am a fan of a lot of Taylor Sheridan's work. So, um, and I do think that he does interesting female characters. Um, so let's see, let's continue on with this episode and see what we think. Um, 
I knew from the beginning when, um, because they they end up there back in um, Joe, uh, played by Zoe Saldana and Caitlin played by Nicole Kidman, who is kind of Zoe Saldana's handler. Um, they're having they're having lunch in Washington, and you know that immediately that this episode is going to be more about the home story because we're in part about the home story because um, you know uh, Caitlin uh, Nicole Kidman's character keeps asking uh, Zoe Saldana you know, how's, how's Neil? How's your husband? How are the kids? How are the kids? And Joe's comment there is they're good kids. And then of course they cut immediately to her uh, oldest daughter who's in a fight on the school playground. Um, uh, and so you know that, well, they're good kids, but they're problems. Um, and, and then we're at the hospital where we learn um, and chime in here if you want, Sean, where Neil, we learn Zoe Saldana's husband, Neil, is a some kind of a pediatric oncologist and is there delivering bad news to a young to the parents of a young child because she has a brain tumor. And the thing that struck me is like Joe's Joe's job is it's about training uh crews to deal with pain. And Neil's job is really about trying to relieve pain or have to talk to people about pain that he can't relieve. Um, but it was just, I thought that was an interesting mirroring technique that um, they put in the script. That's wonderfully in insightful, Daria. I, I hadn't put those two things together. Um, I think I I think in watching it, I, I was not anticipating that they would spend so much time with uh, David Nabble, I believe his, 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 I'm probably mispronouncing his last name, um, but uh, his character. Didn't think we'd spend so much time with the husband and what his job is and, you know, diving into Neil. Uh, I love his acting. I, uh, I, I was uh, really touched by the scene of him talking with the parents and and really floored. I, you know, as a father of two myself, uh, that that scene really wrecked me. Um, and, uh, I, I thought that it was a great way to not only build up more of his character, but help us to understand that this eight part series may expand into more, um, because you don't usually in an eight part miniseries get to spend time with sort of tertiary characters that are sort of on the side. You usually focus so much on the main characters. Um, but I, I, I really thought that that scene, um, gave us an insight into who he is, um, what his job is. And then bringing him home and having he and and uh zoe saldana uh have sort of this moment uh out by the pool and dealing with their daughter and and what she did at school um i thought we got some great uh character um arcs there great character analysis and just just wonderful scenes quiet scenes in in this sort of series that you're expecting a lot of you know explosions and and violence you you, you got a really human element there um, but I, what I also thought I it sort of struck me was that Zoe comes back in the first episode after having to, um, you know, drop a, a missile on her on her on her asset, and the trauma that she was dealing with in that that time as she gets home. And we talked about that in our first episode of the podcast. But he comes home after dealing with his own trauma, and the way that that was dealt with at home was very different than the way that it was dealt with with Zoe in the in the first episode. Right. With, uh, with, with Zoe Saldana's character, Joe, you mean? Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. 
and I think um, I do love this mirroring and I feel like this episode is really just alerting me to the fact that we're going to go deep. And one of the things that I do like in it is that he's taking time and to understand that, oh, there's always the family back home behind whether it's the husband or the wife who's out serving and um and that you know it affects the entire family it affects you know it just it it has a meaning that resonates through the family life unlike most other jobs agreed rainy does that ring true i think so i think that's a very good way to put it and he's he's always so excellent at at mirroring that life. I mean, I think in 1923 is uh latest one out. He does that really good with going back and forth what's happening, you know, over in Africa and then you know, back on the homeland. I think he did that very well with the way you guys are describing that scene. Right. I I know exactly what you mean and he did. He did cuz and and that son was was very traumatized by his role in um I think World War 1. Um but um Sean, back to what you were saying about Neil, um, just before we get to that pool scene, there's this other great line when um, Neil's driving his daughter home and he's obviously really, you know, as any parent might be, um, nobody wants to pick their kid up from school because they were just in a fight. <laughs> um, and and the father says, you can't beat hate from the world. And the daughter, Kate, says, no, but you can try. And then the father, Neil, says, you're just like your mother. And right in that line, I thought, oh, yeah, okay. I, that was like a huge clue into the family dynamic. Sean or uh, Shannon, because I know you've seen the, did you have any reaction to when um, uh, Joe is in the room with Kate and she goes in to see her and she, and she's, trying to talk to her on a one-on-one did that scene like you know how how successful was she I mean it, it it seemed to me that the scene was kind of a it it really revealed um at the distance between uh Joe as a mother and Kate as her daughter there's a chasm there that obviously is set up hopefully to resolve itself but um, you know, it's it's kind of a cold relationship. I I think that's a definitely a rainy question. That's above my pay grade, anyways. <laughs> um, actually, there's a lot of residents residents in that because um, my daughter actually did get in a fight, and I did have to go pick her up from school, um, and of course, make sure she was okay and everything, and you know reason what's going on in the fight and everything um so yeah I was not my daughter's favorite person for a long time I'll have to say so a lot of that what you're saying resonates a lot with me um my daughter and I didn't see eye to eye because I totally can see what you're saying with with Zoe's character because you know especially when I had a job I have a job I have to do it um, I'm short. I'm abrupt. Um, 
you know, I don't have time for this. I just, you know, just get it done, get it over with and just move on. You know, we don't have time for all this. So I, that, that resonates a lot with me actually. Okay. That's, that's, that's real, very interesting to hear because I was, I was, uh, when I watched that scene, you know, I immediately was wondering, I wonder, I wonder how Rainey would react. I wonder how much this would resonate. And so I feel like because this is only the second episode, hopefully we're going to get to see them kind of sort of, if, if, if not work it out completely, at least try to understand each other more. Um, and then, uh, so at this point, um, uh, Cruz is, uh, who is the asset who is this uh, young woman who's about to go undercover um, is being kept in a DC apartment and, uh, and, and they want to put her through the grinder because they want to see how long, how hard, how quickly, if at all, she'll break. She'll break. And the reason, mm -hmm. yeah. Once she breaks, they have to know how long it would take because if they can, it'll take them a second, you know, to get to her if they need to rescue her. And, and the longer she can hold out and not break, the more chances they have of rescuing her. So it's a little bit, uh, so they basically kidnap her. And um, even though these are the people on her side, but they act like it's a kidnapping and they try to break her and they don't. What did you think of that scene, Shannon? Well, here comes that sexual exploitation we're about to talk about here, Battle. Uh, <laughs> so, so in that, they, they, they have her bound and tied up, and she's in a floor. And I think because here we are, it's written by Mr. Sheridan. It's in a man's point of view. Um, I just don't see how you can run a show trying to make you know women look appear strong and capable and then in the same turn you're going to turn around and put a scene in there so she is she's she's tied up and she's bound on the floor and they use a uh like a fireman's hose to spray her underwear off of her i mean Totally unnecessary. That was that was completely completely unnecessary. I mean, that's the Hollywood glam that everyone has to add into it. Um, I don't understand the what GI the Jane point. effect. Correct. What was the point of exploiting us? That that definitely does not show uh, capableism or or strength in any sort. It literally you you just in my opinion, you undid everything. You just shot in the other episode. You just undone it in, in episode two when you did that. That was completely de demoralizing. Right. It was hard. It was hard to watch, um, even for me, because uh, for that very reason, and 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 also the background. If you rem remember, and I'll I'll let Rainy know this, um, but is at one point in her life, Cruz, this uh, the female asset who um, the Zoe Saldana character Joe is training, was a stripper. 
And so it just mm-hmm. seems a little too uh, like an easy, like a cheap shot. Because the, the water cheap. torture, yeah, the water torture they were putting her through was already horrendous. You didn't need to do that. So I agree with you, Shannon, a hundred percent. It's it's just demoralizing. Um, and you know, I mean, I I have my own brain, so I think differently. But, um, you know, that also that that kind of opens the curtain a little bit to okay what are y'all trying to imply that you know we just do this to our own people so are we all a bunch of you know I mean what are you trying to say there that could go that could go many ways if you ask me um that would have been a good way to introduce military sexual trauma if you're trying to do that which it does, or a soldier it, to stand up against it. Exactly, exactly. That could have been a beautiful moment for them to to have a scene, you know, where she stands up to it. Absolutely, Rainy. Do you feel that, um, right? Though, though not in the moment, she um, stands up to that. But for pretty much the rest of the episode, anytime they come in and try to get physical with her, she, I mean, she beats down. Uh, two of them and then later on in the bar fight which we can get to uh she like i don't want to say demoralizes him but she certainly takes some level of revenge like she's almost ready to kill the guy that was running this he has him in a chokehold yeah they, yeah absolutely so is there some retribution that uh cruz is able to an act plus the added idea that now the team that she's been a part of and placed with realized what she was put through and decided we're going to go take care of these guys we're going to we're going to go um knock some sense into them pretty much which in you know bar fight ensues yeah and that tracks i mean right rainy i mean anybody that messed with us we would have went up up in arms for for them and went to bat for any of them that is true. That tracks. Well, and there's no one on your team that's going to let that happen to you. I mean, Absolutely. and the fact that, I mean, because they destroyed it. I mean, they could have just destroyed something that they were working on. I mean, that, that just seems. But then, I mean, them going after it, it goes right on to what would actually would have happened in our unit. Right. Well, that's, I'm very interested to hear that because I that was um, that's a good question, Sean, because that's what I was interested in because I I had a sense that oh you know that would track people you know once you become a team which is why they called you team lioness and once you become a team <clears throat> even if you know it's just your unit or your people um, that there is a bond and it is unbreakable and you do you are there for the person who's next to you. And um, it it's interesting to me that Joe, again, the Zoe Saldana character, kept saying that uh, she was trying, she was actually doing this and for Cruz's own good. And I think that actress, I want to call out that actress, Lysla de Oliveira, because I thought she was 
really played these some of these scenes really well. Um, uh, but she was putting her through this so that she would know how to save her, so that it was for her own good. And just, you know, it was painful. How did you feel about that, Sean? I think it was. I, I, I you know, I feel like we've been watching Cruz's Cruz go through the grinder since episode one. Um, yeah. We're, we're seeing her develop a family in a way with her team, her unit, uh, with Zoe, the people that she's going to rely on. Because we know you're not going to show us this part in episode two where they're putting her through the grinder. They need to know how long she's going to last, you know, when she gets born a cover's blown. That's setting it up for later in the series that that's where we're going. What's going to happen? Um, it's been tough, though, certainly watching her go through all of this. And and that's that's our that's our character development. That's our we need to know as an audience how strong she is. And that's that superhuman element we talked about in episode one of our podcast of like uh, she's going beyond anybody else who's gone through this of how much her what what fight is in her and what she's willing to endure uh, for her mission. Yeah, male, female, anybody. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to say while they're exploiting weaknesses, they're also in some weird way highlighting strengths as well. Um, and that's really the military in a nutshell that literally break you down to build you up. So in a way, um, Shannon, what you're kind of saying is that in a, in a larger sense, that resonates. It, I mean, it it does resonate. I never went through any kind of training like that. That's for sure. But um, uh, it definitely does resonate. I mean, um, you know, when you enter the military, you're they basically tell you, you know, you're nothing, you're clay, and we're gonna mold you. Um, and they literally put you through the ringer and um. At the same time, you know, you're like, I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm weak, I can't do all this. And by the end of it, you realize, oh, my gosh, I'm not weak. I'm actually really strong. And look at all these accomplishments and achievements I did because they pushed me to my breaking point and I didn't break. I kept going. I mean, that's for any soldier, sailor, Marine, airman. I mean, Coast Guard. I mean, that's for all of us. Uh, but it 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 just it stings because we are females and we've already been through so much and it just stings to have to see that on screen also i think you mentioned in the last episode shannon and um and maybe rainy you have uh, uh some thoughts on this too it's just this idea that you don't just have to prove yourself once you have to you have to be twice as good or twice as fast or, you know, twice as competent and, or twice as excellent. And you have to do it every day. Absolutely. No give. That is a lot of pressure. It doesn't matter. If, it doesn't matter. Male besides you can't do that same job. They're going to always point out that you can't do it. Absolutely. If you show any kind of weakness, they're going to jump on that and they're going to be like, see, you you can't do it. You weren't cut out for it because you cried or you complained or you had a moment and you broke down. So in a way, we're actually held to a higher standard, in my opinion. Definitely. 
and I think this, ep- this, these first two episodes, to some extent, I mean, that's how it's, that's how it's written. Like he, it's written like his choice to create this, the female character of Cruz as almost like a superwoman and just a super uh, asset, really, uh, makes that point in a way. And then just because I think we're near the close here, the the close of the episode, um, after they kind of take revenge for and uh, for Cruz's treatment, she gets a phone call from uh, the um, the a woman Ayalia, uh, who's played by Stephanie uh, Budenbach, um, and she is uh, coming to Chesapeake, and she is bringing some young guys, and they want to have a good time. And I just thought it was kind of hysterical that they're now now Cruz is talking in um, you know it, it, in her she's undercover, and uh, she's like, yeah, yeah, I'll meet you, yeah. And then she said that she's told her her Mark tells her, yeah. Where's wear something sexy. Bring a swimsuit. Uh, I'm bringing boys. And then she hangs up. And so Cruz's last line is like, "I need to go shopping." <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was, you know, after everything in that entire episode, that was like, well, yeah, you want to go undercover, you have to go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> well, no time to no time to chill. There's no break, no downtime. <laughs> well, I will say, as much as your interest in uh, Daria, your interest in having a prequel series to really like lay what the the lionesses were and the origin of that, uh, I almost am just as interested if they did something post Special Ops Lioness, where Cruz transitions out of the military and get and give us that story. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, that would be interesting. And I think, you know, they don't know it, but we're just like giving them, you know, we're building out their whole 1883, 1923 Yellowstone and and, and Yellowstone 2.0. <laughs> we're doing that for uh, the Lioness show <laughs> just in this conversation. Well, I'll wait for the royalty so, check then. <laughs> right. I thank them to be fine. Yeah. Well, I... I Thank you, Rainey, so much for joining us. No, no problem. Well, it was no problem. It was fantastic. You contributed so much, and I really appreciate it. And I know, um, I mean, Sean's right here, but on behalf of the Veterans Breakfast Club, wow, and thank you so much. Not a problem. And I'd just like to, um, again, pump uh, the OperationLinus.org website. Uh, to our listeners, uh, please check out OperationLioness.org. Uh, this is uh, Shannon's uh, soon-to-be nonprofit organization. Uh, come check out uh, www.VeteransBreakfastClub.org to check out everything that uh, we have going on, the events that we have all uh, all centered around veteran stories. And we will also have a link in here in the description for Daria's Lioness documentary, uh, which if you haven't seen, uh, Daria, where can they stream it? 
Oh, you can stream it everywhere. You can stream it on Apple, um, Amazon Prime. Um, it's easily available. And uh, you just put in Linus the documentary and it'll come up. Excellent. And we'll be back uh, with episode three uh, of Special Ops Linus, our review with more history, more context, and more lionesses. Right, Daria? Absolutely. With more special guests, Shannon and I will return along with you, Sean, but we will have more special guests. But again, thank you, Rainey, for joining us. Thank you for the insight. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Battle. Appreciate it. <laughs> no problem.